Give me the green light. Give me just one night. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go. Welcome, everybody, to episode 117 of the Greenlight Podcast, POC Ephrase. And on this episode, we are joined by Anthony Latina, head coach of Sacred Heart Men's Basketball Program. Coach, it's been a while uh, since we last talked. Thanks so much for coming on, man. We're excited. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Um, All right. We'd be remiss if we didn't start with the big news. Uh, $30 million renovation to the Pitt Center. you know, I, I grew up going to camp there, so I'm I'm very excited to see what this looks like. But tell us everything about this news. This is unbelievable. Well, technically, I shouldn't be talking about this as public, but here's what I can say. You know, there's a lot of great things happening. Um, we're in some preliminary phases, and uh, there's going to be more great things happening. And we're excited about it. Can't go into detail because we're not... <laughs> Actually, you're both supposed to speak about it, but uh, it's an exciting time to be at Sacred Heart. That's what I will say. Uh, and if you come on campus, there's a lot of beautiful things going on. I've been there for 18 years, and there has not been one year in the 18 years I've been there that something new hasn't gone up. And, uh, you know, that's going to continue. And uh, we have people that are really committed to making Sacred Heart the best institution it can be. Um, and they want excellence at all in all phases. Uh, whether it's academically, athletically, uh, aesthetically, um, you know, creating the best, you know, excellence in the experience for the student athletes. So for the students and the student athletes. So it's, it's a really exciting time to be there. If you haven't been on the campus in the last five years, you would not even recognize it. It's, it's, no, it's insane. Yeah, it's great. And, and, and so, uh, and I feel I'm, I'm so grateful to, to be a part of it. And, um, and to be a part of it at this time where we're really thriving. So uh, that's the most I can say about that. Unfortunately, I can't go into more detail, but uh, it's really, really an exciting time. There's a lot of phases to the things that uh, are planning to be done. Um, and they're going to be really, you know, everything will be uh, discussed in, in due time. And it's it's an exciting time to be a pioneer. I'll say that. I love it. Yeah. Paul Paul usually waits to the very end of the episode to try and like sneak something in there that's maybe get me in trouble. And, and we just decided to start right off the rip with that. But uh hey, listen, man, anytime $30 million is thrown around, I mean, you know, we gotta ask about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? So, well, no, but it's it's a, again, it's an exciting time to be, you know, part of our, our university. There's so many great things happening and uh different projects, and you know, people are super aggressive and enthusiastic and 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 you know we've all been the benefit everyone who works there and every student that attends there has been the beneficiary of it and, and it's why it's it's such a great place and and that's why i want people to know about it because it is a great place and if you haven't been there it's even people in fairfield county when they come hey i've never been on campus i'm like shocking they're so, they're so yeah they're so uh surprised you yep. know so you know we really feel like we're you know we're part of a, a place now that competes with you know the best Catholic universities, certainly in the Northeast, but if not in the country. Yeah. And um, and we're proud of that. So um, 
hopefully we can continue that. And, and hopefully that, you know, one of, one of my biggest motivating factors is hopefully we can match the excellence that the school has created in the last 10 years. Hopefully we can match that on the court, you know, and, yep. and uh, that's my challenge to, to my staff, to myself and to our players is like, Hey, we got to match all the great things that are happening on here. What could be, because here's the reality of it. It's like a lot of people, the only thing they'll know about Sacred Heart is, well, how's it go? Oh, the basketball team's pretty good, you know? And, and, and hopefully, you know, I don't know who said this, but, you know, athletics and especially basketball and football, we're kind of like the front porch of the university. Yeah. You know, it's like people drive by, that's what they see. That's what they know. And so we need to do our job in, you know, creating the right uh, perception of, of a place that's really, really great. And, 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 uh, that really motivates me. Uh, the place has been so good to me and the administration has been so good to me that uh, that probably motivates me as much as anything um, individually, uh, you know, to try to create a, a, a program and a team that the community and alums can be real proud of. And, and hopefully we can do that this year. Yeah, I mean, they've done all the studies, you know, like the, the one that comes to mind right now is like what Florida Gulf Coast did a couple uh, at this point, it might be eight, nine years ago. But, you know, when they went when their crazy Sweet 16, Elite Eight run, whatever it was, you know, applications shot up. You know, they were up 80, 90 percent. So, you know, the front porch comment like, yeah, of course, that makes sense. You know, you, you're uh, you're representing the university in, in more ways than uh, I think people realize. Um, OK, so we can, you know, the Pitt Center, whatever it's 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 coming along. Um I want to I want to get your thoughts on and obviously that's going to help with recruiting. You've been there 18 years. Um, is it eight as an assistant, nine as a head coach? Did I read that right? Eight, eight as an assistant, and this is the start of my tenth as a head coach. Ten, yeah, okay. okay. Um, well, this is the start of my 18th year, so I've been there 17 total, yep. going into 18 now. So obviously, you know, you have the entire Northeast to recruit. Um, you have the whole, I mean, you got the whole country if you want, but you know, there's enough talent in the Northeast. We always talk, we always like to ask coaches on here, you know, some, some schools and colleges will get a lot of flack for not getting or retaining the best in-state talent. Where, where do you land on that? Like, is that important or is there just, you know, if a kid is better in California and we can get them, let's get that kid. Like, where do you land on that? Well, you know, that's an interesting question. And I don't think there's one answer to that. Like, there's a couple of things. One, certainly when I first got there as an assistant and, and when I became the head coach, I I did think it was important that we had some type of presence in Connecticut and got involved with the best Connecticut players. I mean, we, and, and we were fortunate. We got Kane Broom, who was dynamite. We got Quincy yeah. McKnight. You know, yeah. Prior to that, we had, you know, players like Shane Gibson and 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 uh, Chauncey Hardy. And so we had some success with some overlooked Connecticut guys. And that's the crazy thing is those guys were kind of overlooked. Now they ended up being really good for us. I so know. Everyone would be like, well, how'd you get those guys? Well, we got them because they were overlooked. They weren't really highly recruited. Yeah. So I do think in, when you're establishing a program, it's certainly important. Um, with that said, um, they have to be good enough, you know, and you have to make sure that, that, that they are. The, why I say, why it's important in a place like Sacred Heart is because you know, you're always, we live in a great area of the country. There's so much to do. And when you do get some local players, the local interest does just naturally increase. So yep. I do think for a program, our level, now UConn, I don't think needs to do it as much because, you know, 
you know, Calhoun used to get got flack one year for not recruiting Ryan Gomes. Well, yeah. He, had, he had scored one of the most all time. Oh, he's a great press conference. Legend and he's the best. And, but, yeah. you know, they had Karan Butler. By the way, they, they won a national champ. They won multiple national championships in that era. Like, yep. UConn can, you know, for UConn, it's all about winning. If they win, they can be from Israel, Nadav Hennefeld, their own shepherd. <laughs> like, you know, Ray Allen is from South Carolina. Like, it didn't matter. You know, UConn is going to, if they're good, they're going to they're gonna have a ton of interest. So I don't know if it matters as much at a place like University of Connecticut, but a place like Sacred Heart, where we're really battling to, to get eyeballs and get attention. You know, um, when we have great local players, more people pay attention, whether it's Channel 8, News Channel 8, or whether it's, you know, the Hartford Current or the Hearst, you know, media group, you know, whether it's local podcasts. I'm on podcasts more when we have good Connecticut players. So, I would say for a place like us, it is, I think, important. Now, again, it's not great to have good play, you know, players from Connecticut that aren't good enough to help you win. No <laughs> one cares if you have Connecticut players if you're coming to last place all the time. Yeah. But if you can win with local players at a at a place like Sacred Heart, I do think it, it matters. And and interestingly enough, we we have we have th- you know three or four Connecticut kids in our program right now yep. that are dynamite. And I do think. I mean, we've already had News 12 at our game, a practice. We've already had Channel 8 at our practice. We have Hearst coming next week. I mean, these guys aren't coming to talk to me. They're coming to, they're coming to you know, there's a good local story. Yep. And um, so I do think it's important. The other thing I like about personally for me recruiting Connecticut as far as going uh, elsewhere is I get a lot of, I get to really evaluate them closely. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that scares me about going out of the areas, you can get fooled. If you watch a kid one or two times, you know, everyone's like, well, you guys are doing a really good job evaluating. Well, our best players are guys we've seen tons of times. We've gotten yep. a lot of live evaluations. And and I personally feel much more comfortable if I watched it, a, a player multiple times and through the years, like, you know, and when we recruited Kane Broom, you know, he was, I, it was out of St. Thomas Moore. Well, I saw him as a sophomore and as a junior at East Harvard High School, you know, score 30 and 40 in a game. Now he goes to St. Thomas Moore, which is an elite program. He's playing with eight, nine, 10 other division one players. And he's kind of just blending fitting in. Why? Cause he's, he's a great kid. He wants to be coachable and he's, he's trying to make the coach happy and he's trying to win. So sometimes that was people didn't really see some of the things that he did as a young player that again, he didn't do cause he's trying to do the right thing. And, and he was doing the right thing. St. Thomas Moore was winning, you know, they were getting to national championship games and stuff. So, so I think when you have the local, you're less likely to make a mistake with a local kid just by the law of averages of being able to see them more and becoming more familiar with them. And I think you're more familiar with what type of player you are because, you know, talent is obviously the number one thing in recruiting, but, you know, you really don't know what's inside of them until they get to you. Oh. But if you if you have a good relationship with the coach, they'll tend to be a little more honest with you. You know, they're never going to kill one of their players are always going to say, hey, he's a great kid, but they might show you some some warts that, and again, you still may recruit a kid with their warts, but at least you're aware of it. So now, yep. you know, all right, when he comes here, here are some of the things we're going to have to do. So I like more Northeast kids for us. Well, the Connecticut is for that local flavor, I said, and then the, and then the New England, you know, Northeast kids, because we just get to really, we just get a better evaluation, you know? And, and so, um, but we would go anywhere. We've had international players. We've had West Coast players. You know, when we had, there was a stretch that when I was an assistant, we had a bunch of players from Seattle. But I had a very good friend, friend of the bike family, 
that was a coach in Seattle. So when I went out there for, yeah, week, that was the connection. Yep. Yeah. Well, I knew, like I, I knew I was getting the real, you know, the real deal evaluation on some kids. And he yeah. would tell me the good and bad. Cause it wasn't always just his kids. It was other kids. So, you know, now that's part of experience and recruiting and you develop relationships, you know, in other parts of the country. And, you know, you like to think as you become, uh, as you develop those relationships, they, they tend to be a little more honest with you. And now, again, you, if, if, if there's some things that they tell you that are red flags, you know, you still may take the player, but at least you're, you're going with a little more with your eyes open, knowing what, what maybe you have to do um, to develop them a little bit better. So I do think it's important. So that's a long answer, but 100% for a place like Sacred Heart, whenever you can recruit a Connecticut kid or even like a you know, Fairfield County or Westchester County kid, I, I think it's a real positive for us. And uh, I mean, from the, from the practical side, I think you're getting a, more often than not, you're getting a, a better evaluation. Not that you can't misevaluate someone that you see a lot, but you're less likely to, you know? And so and, yeah, you, it's been good for us. You've had the same three assistant coaches now, Kevin, Kyle, and, and Johnny kid, who's, you know, a legend. He's been with the program oh, yeah. 25 plus years, I think. Um, but you've had that staff now for almost nine years um, you've been with the program now going on 18. Like how important is that continuity in terms of coaching, evaluating? I mean, everything. Well, I think, you know, one of the things, certainly continuity for the program, for the players uh, to get things done on campus. There's not like a retraining. There's yeah. a comfort level that I have with them, that they have with me. Uh, and I like them. I mean, listen, the reason <laughs> you're, doing, you're doing something right. I mean, <laughs> well, and I think, I think the other thing that, um, Sacred Heart puts a high value on is people that really want to be there. And uh, it's a real special place. I mean, I can't say that enough. I mean, when you look and you go across the board, not only in athletics, but across the campus, you're going to see a lot of people that have been there 15, 20, 25 years. Because when you get there, it, it's it's just such a, a wonderful working environment. There's, there's a loyalty there that does not exist at many places. Uh, and it starts with the top from our president, um, John Patillo, to our uh, executive vice president, Jim Barconero. I mean, these are quality leaders. Uh, they value uh, people that are committed to a, the institution. There's a loyalty there. Uh, and I, and I, I'm so grateful. You know, people talk about, you know, a lot of coaches, they'll ask, hey, what's, what's the best job in the league? What's a good job? What's a, what's a bad job? Well, the first thing that indicates what some what kind of job is is well, who do you work for? You know, yeah. what is what are what are their yeah. what are their expectations? What are you know what do they value? And I can say uh, from our president to our vice president to now our athletic director, the things that they value, um, I value, and 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 it's one of the reasons why I feel so you know so lucky and and, and I'm so grateful for working there because you know we have all these beautiful things we just talked about these you know buildings being built and and those are all awesome believe me they make our jobs a lot easier um but who you work for and you know what they value and how they value you boy man that, that you cannot put a price tag on that and and, and again like we, we talk about what motivates me that motivates me that motivates me that to to reward the people that have been so good to me at times when it wasn't so easy to be good to me. You know what I mean? You know, we, we, we've had some success, but we've had some down years and, and the support has been so consistent. So, um, 
let me tell you, it is my mission, you know, to 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 get the, us to the NCAA tournament, just to contribute to all this, all this excellence that's been going on. Like I think the school deserves it, and um, you know, we've fallen short, and you know, we're doing everything we can. And I think my staff appreciates that. They appreciate the stability that we have for a Division One program, and that not many people yep. have that. No, you know, someone no. told me this, and it may have been you that we're the longest intact staff in Division One. That's well, what I'm I, saying. I mean, we I were doing saw, research before this and we were looking at uh, coaches. I mean, there's, I think there's like 45 coaches that have been, uh, have a longer tenure than you, you know, that's, that's not a long list. No, no, no. Not at all. So it, it's again, it, um, I can't, I'll say until I'm blue in the face, the, the level of gratitude I have for the job I have and for the people I work for is, is at the highest level. And, uh, the only way I know to reward them is well, one is to be loyal to them, and two is is to do a great job for them and and to represent them and our community and the alums, you know, in in a first class fashion. So I hope we've done that, but I think our next step is now we, we got to give them a championship, and that's 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 our mission, and uh, we're we're really singly focused on that. Well, that's absolutely awesome to hear. And shifting shifting gears a little bit, and we something we brought up just because it's been such a common theme and such a hot issue just across sports in general, um, is is how NIL and this legislation has changed the landscape of, of a lot of different sports. And I think, it, obviously, there's different levels of NIL. There, You've got your collectives, you've got your massive multi-million dollar athletes, and you've got also kids that just want to be able to make money off streaming Twitch or maybe do like a, a radio spot. I'm curious just how, whether... A, in the recruiting process, how often it even comes up or it's brought up maybe by a recruit or how it, it's it's shifted at all in the past couple of years um, of just the operation of the program at all? Well, certainly it has changed the landscape dramatically. Um, I don't necessarily think for the worst because I do think if you look at college basketball, you're going to see more fringe pros stay. Yeah, because mm-hmm. they make more money in college. Yeah. Drew Timmy literally just—I think it was like a week or two ago—he's like, "I, I'm gonna make more money." He's like, "I'm not giving you a number." He said, "Drew, he's like, I'm gonna make more money here than I would being a second-round draft pick in the NBA on a French wild." Contract. I mean, the, the two perfect examples is Timmy at Gonzaga and uh, Oscar Chibwe at, at Kentucky. Yeah, you know, those guys were obviously outstanding college players. They're great for the college game. First of all, they're great dudes. I shouldn't say that. I don't know if they're great dudes. They appear, <laughs> they appear, to, be, they appear to be great guys. Yeah. Right? They appear to love their universities. They're really what college basketball should be all about. And for those guys to stay, you know, Oscar another one more year and, and, and Timmy for four years, like that's awesome. I mean, that really, first of all, it makes the product better. Yep. Better teams, these guys will stay. And, and also here's the other thing why I, I think it's a pretty good thing overall. There are some negatives, no question. But it's like, you know, you get a guy that for most players, and I don't know what the percentage is, but it's, let's throw 97% of, of the players. The lottery ticket to being a college basketball player is your degree. Yep. It's not like the millions. Of, no, you know, well, how many people are making life-changing money for basketball? Yeah. I mean, Small I don't know. Amount. 1%, yeah. 2%, you know, maybe 5% make money, but not life-changing money. So I think anything that encourages guys to stay makes the game better, gives them a better chance to get a degree, which for, again, for the overwhelming majority is the lottery ticket is the thing that changes their life. I think it's great. Now from our level, 
it hasn't really gotten to us that much, although we're trying to be creative with different, um, whether it's the Austin money, whether it's, um, yeah. which is the academic stuff, whether it's NIL, whether it's cost of attendance, you know, certainly we are efforting every, you know, opportunity to try to be competitive in that area. But here's the reality, like, you know, we just need, we need to be competitive with the America East, the Northeast Conference, you know, our, our yeah. league, the Northeast Conference or the America East and the MAC, and maybe some Patriot League. And, you know, we don't really recruit against the Ivy League. It's a little bit of a different animal, but, you know, even if it's a colonial conference, like we need to be just competitive with those guys. I mean, the reality is, is if UConn's recruiting a guy and we're a recruiting a guy, you know, unless we're offering them five times the amount that UConn's offering, yeah. which we can't do, they're yeah. not, they're not coming here. You know, they're going to UConn. So, it does change the equation a little bit, but you know, the, 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 the Yukons and the Kentuckys and the Dukes, they're going to get their guys. They're going to get, you know, they're still going to get their, their players and we're still going to get ours, but there are some more positives. Well, one is kids stay two is, um, you know, kids can, can put a couple pucks in their, in their pocket, you know, schools, NCAA, people are making money off it. You know, not as much as people think, but schools are benefiting from it. The NCAA is benefiting from it. Having the players benefit, a little more is not the worst thing in the world. Now, I will say this. The only reason I haven't always been completely for it is because the players do benefit a lot. This idea that a, a, a college scholarship is like a throwaway thing. I mean, if you do the math at Sacred Heart, I don't know what Sacred Heart even costs. This, you know, our guys are on full scholarship. I think it's in somewhere it's in the mid-60s. Well, let's throw out 65000 say. Well, that means our players are going to school for free. They get room, board, books, tuition fees. Then you throw in the training. Then you throw in the travel, you throw in the meals, you throw in the gear, you throw in the the uh, athletic training, the medical. I mean, just at Sacred Heart, you know, a scholarship is probably worth somewhere, I don't know, just ballparking it, $90,000, ninety to 100000 Easy. So that's, a, that's a pretty good job for a high school yeah. graduate doing something. By the way, making $80,000, $90,000, you can't work more than 20 hours a week by NCAA yeah. rule. Yeah. So, so it's like, well, all right. If I told if I told a, a high school graduate, don't go to college. I'm going to get you a job. That's actually kind of fun. There's no pressure on you. You know, it's it, it, you got to work, but it's kind of fun. You kind of love to do it, and you're only going to have to do it for 20 hours a week. And I could probably get you somewhere between 80 and 100k. <laughs> who's not signing up for that? <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? I mean yeah. And oh, by the way, after this four year job, you're going to have something that's going to make you more marketable as a professional person. Yeah. And, oh, by the way, there's an experience of, uh, of, of intellectual curiosity and learning and being around the, you know, these, these professors that have this wisdom and these coaches and like, so there's that. So I, 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 I so I think while I still think, you know, being a, uh, on a athletic scholar, a college athletic scholarship is the best deal around. I have no problem with, with, if a player can make, because the NIL has nothing to do with school. If these players can make money on their own. Yeah, yeah. go I'll for it. Them. You know what I mean? Like no one's, yeah. no one's telling me I can't make more money on the side. You know. Yeah. So, so, you know, it's hard to do that as a coach because yeah. you have a lot yeah. of contracts and stuff like that. But but you know, I, I certainly we run summer camps and that's very profitable. And we you know we can do appearances and that's profitable and stuff. So so if the players you know can can benefit from that, I'm I'm all for it. If it's going to keep them in school longer, I'm all for that. You know, it gets a little tricky because now um, the transferring 
The negative is it encourages transferring almost even more. Yeah. Um, which again is not necessarily um sorry about that. Not necessarily again, transferring not necessarily is all bad. No. It, we did want to ask you about that too. Yeah, it's not all good either, you know. Yeah. So just like anything, but but you know, I I I think you know, just like the NIL, it's a very, you know, with, with the transferring and the transfer portal, you know, my answer is, is very nuanced because, uh, you know, I think that uh, while it can be very frustrating, um, while it can be very short-sighted, there are, there have been plenty of times in my career where, you know what, it's been mutually beneficial. Yep. Player, student athlete didn't want to be there. Coach didn't want him there. Yeah. And well, why stay? Because, yep. you know, I got to stick it out. Like, you know, like, what? No one does that. People have people have a job that's miserable. New jobs all the time. Yeah. yeah. No question. So now with that said, do people leave too quickly? Do people give up on things too quickly? Of course they do. And and so, you know, so sometimes we're really not teaching kids, hey, this is a good place for you. You just gotta kind of you gotta fight a little bit more because you're gonna you're gonna hit some things in your life, whether it's a job, whether it's a relationship. You know, I've been married for 21 years. Let me tell you, man, it's been 21 years of work. Yep. You know, and 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 this is someone who is, you know, I, I proudly say I'm happily married, but it it hasn't been all rosy. Like, you know, she just asked my wife. <laughs> I mean, it takes work. And you're working at it, you know, as much as in year 21 as you're working on a year one. Oh, yeah. So it's it's and so I think, you know, you do want to teach your kids, like, hey, like when you are committed to something, sometimes there's gonna be some road bumps and like. If you just pack your stuff up and leave, you know, you're going to do that more, Every time. Often, more often than you should. Yep. You know? So creates so a habit. Thing. Yeah. The NIL is tricky with that. Um, but with that said, we are where we are and, and um, transferring is a thing. Uh, it's a thing now that five, six, you know, probably when I first became a head coach eight or nine years ago, it was a thing that only hurt us. And now it's, hurting us and helping us. And and this yeah. year's a perfect example because we have three players coming in that are quite honestly outstanding. Yeah. They're yeah. outstanding kids, they're outstanding students, they're great players. And you know, we the our media day was today. That's why I got my tie on, although I kept it on for 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 the degree <laughs> well, green light. The most professional <laughs> podcast out of yeah. That's yeah. right, baby. So but um but I you know we, we were picked, you know, we lost you know, we had a disappointing year last year, which I don't hide from. And we lost our two leading scores to transferring. And we went from seventh to being picked six, second in the league. Yeah. Why? Now, we have some good players coming back that improved, that really came on strong at the end. But these three guys have a big thing to do with it. So this is probably the first time where you lose your two leading scores and you get significantly better. I know. It's when, nuts. We lost, when we lost Kane Broom and, and when we lost uh, Quincy McKnight in back-to-back -back years, it took us two or three years to recover. I know. That was brutal. But, you know, and, and, you know, and we thought like we were on the cusp of like, Hey, we might be able to get to two or three in a row here, you know? And, and now all of a sudden Kane leaves and you're like, all right, well, we still got Quincy and then Quincy leaves the next year. And you're like, Oof, this is tricky, <laughs> you know? And, and, and so, um, but now last year we lose our two leading scorers who were good players and that, you know, not certainly not at the level of a Kane Broomer, Quincy McKnight, but they were really good in our league. And, you know, we bring in these three guys and, you know, I hate to say it, they're probably better. <laughs> you know, and yeah. I think we're going to be significantly better. So, um, you know, a little bit was luck. The timing was right. Cause usually when you lose two, two really good players to think you're going to bring players as good as them or better than them is, 
generally not the case. Yeah. It worked yeah. out like the guys, the timing was right. You know, certainly with these three guys and two guys were Connecticut kids that we had tried to recruit out of high school. The third was uh, a kid from Long Island who played at St. Thomas More, who we had, you know, we have a, a great relationship with. And one of his AU teammates is on the roster who's good friends with him. So it kind of fell in place. And, and, you know, our style of play, I think, and our location and all the good things we have to offer were a factor too. But, um, you know, so the transferring is a tricky thing. I th- I do think it can be a net positive for Northeast Conference level programs. Yeah. If you utilize it correctly. Um, and and every, every program, I mean, look at, you know, University of Connecticut, you know, they lose some guys that they didn't, maybe didn't expect to lose. And, you know, they, they go in and they bring in a real good player from Virginia Tech and a, you know, real good player from, you know, wherever I'm, I'm trying to remember all the transfers, but you know, some really good guys. So, um, well, isn't, isn't there something to be said though, that the NEC, the Mac, the like you guys seem to get penalized more because to your point, Quincy McKnight came broom, like you guys recruit them, you evaluate them, you bring them on campus, you believe in them, you develop develop them them. and then they leave. So it's like, you know, you know, it's, uh, where did Quincy go? Seton Hall. Like Seton Hall, I'm not pinning this on Seton Hall, but like they didn't have to do anything to develop him or recruit. Like, you know, if Seton <laughs> Hall leaves, <laughs> yeah, they made a phone call and Quincy was there. So mm-hmm. like it it just feels a little unfair, almost to the point where it's like European soccer level, where like the 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 um you know, let's call it the the mid to bottom level of uh NCAA division one are now recruiting players, developing them for, you know, Duke, Kentucky, Seton Hall, Rutgers to come and pick. It's like, it doesn't necessarily seem fair. Well, I'll say two things about that. One is life is not fair. <laughs> and the sooner, the sooner you come to grips with that, the better, because um, that's the bottom line. Like you, yeah. will be, you will be perpetually frustrated if fairness is your goal. Okay. Now, listen, we all want fairness. We all want this. We all want, you know, you got to just, you know, deal with what you have, work at it, be creative. Um, And I would say um, it it, it is what it is. And you got to utilize the transfer portal, hopefully like we did this year to your benefit, you know, because, because, you know, I I think what, what the high majors will say is, okay, it's not fair, but like, well, we're losing guys for one year and done to the NBA. Well, we're doing the same thing for the NBA that you're doing for us. So, you know, th- there's, here's what I'll say too about coaching, you know, at every level, there are going to be obstacles and challenges. Uh, Pat Sellers, who's the head coach of central Connecticut, was a dear friend of mine. When he was assistant at UConn, you know, I, we'd have conversations and I said, boy, you know, uh, you guys can get involved with anybody in the country. Just, you know, you, you come in with the UConn Jersey and, you know, he was an assistant on the Calhoun he says, yeah, we can get involved with anyone here. But like, we got about 100 kids in the country, maybe probably 50 kids in each class that can get us to where we want to get to. Yeah. Right? And mind you, we got to beat out Duke. We got to beat out Kentucky. We got to beat out uh, Gonzaga. We have to beat out, you know, North Carolina, Michigan State. Yeah. So we can get involved with anyone, but we got to get them. Yeah. And, and there's so few players that are at the level that we need them to be for us to get to a final four. So like, while everyone says, you know, you could, you're university of Connecticut. Well, you know, Duke's trying to win too. 
you know, and 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 not oh, not forget about that. Seeing Hall's trying to win and Providence trying to win, and, and so I think um, every I I say that story because every level has its challenges. Yeah, you know, and um, you know, Steve Peichel is a, a good buddy of mine at Rutgers. We work together as well. Pat and I work together at Central Connecticut, and, and Steve and I, and you know, I, I'll talk to him, you know, during the season, and he's like, yeah, he goes, we're at Purdue and at Michigan State. Well, you think that's easy? <laughs> yeah. People talk about, well, you're playing these easy non-conference games. Well, you know, you got to go to Michigan State and to Purdue. And then, oh, by the way, you got an easy one coming up with Michigan at home. That's their three-game stretch. You know, and, and you're playing probably playing against eight NBA prospects. You know, so, you know, ask, ask Steve Peichel if that's fair. <laughs> you know, so I, I think I try to tell my players, too, like, don't, don't worry about fairness. Don't worry, like, worry about the gar- the cards you're dealt and make the best of it and don't allow it to frustrate you, you know, allow it to, you know, make it motivate you and make it push you to be more creative and, and be better. So um, while it's not fair, like somewhere along the line, I, I don't know, I, somewhere along the line, we all thought everything's supposed to be fair. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. it's not like, hey, you know, what's not, you know, what's not fair. The, the kid that was born in a third world country when, when we were born in, in Connecticut, yeah, he won the, we won the lottery. One of the wealthiest states in the world. Yeah, you know, not yeah. in the United States. Growing up in Connecticut. So, like, you know, and I grew up in Hartford, which everyone said, well, Hartford's, you know, a poor city. Hey, let me tell you, Hartford's a hell of a lot better than a lot of other places around the world here. So, yeah. it, it's, um, I, I think, I, I think you can't even focus on the fairness thing. You can't let any of those challenges frustrate you. You have to treat them as challenges. There's a great book called The Obstacle is the Way. Uh, by mm-hmm. Ryan Holiday, I recommend to anyone, and, and that's true. Anyone who's successful, they weren't just successful. There was a lot of obstacles, yep. uh, and that's part of the that's part of the journey. And the the sooner you embrace that, the better. Because here's the other deal: nobody's feeling bad for you. You're yeah. a basketball paid to coach basketball for a living. Who the heck is feeling bad for me? <laughs> or should they? To be honest with you, you know, I got buddies yeah. that work a real job. And they're freaking, they're, you know, they come home and they're exhausted. And, 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 you know, those guys look at me and think I'm the luckiest guy in the world. Now, yeah. again. It's, it's all relative, like, all relative, right? But, it, but it's true, though. There's there's a level of perspective that I get when I yeah. talk to other buddies and, and stuff. And, 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 you know, and I do tell them coaching is the greatest profession in the world. And when you're winning, there is nothing. Better. No, yeah. when you're nothing. Losing, when you're losing, there's a lot of things better. But. Here's the here's the other deal. Try to lose as little as possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then it's great, you know, and 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 that's the challenge. So, um, but that's part of it, and uh, you know, we deal with it, and you know, hopefully we're we're grateful for the what we have and the opportunity we have. Awesome. And we talked. I mean, you brought up coaching, brought up Steve Peichel, and when you talk about some of the the high major teams, and and obviously in fairness. Uh, looking at this year, the 22-23 schedule, you've got Rutgers, you've got Pitt on the schedule. What is your, I guess, A, your, your overall strategy around scheduling and, and buy games and playing some of those high major opponents um, year in and year out? Well, there's a couple different things that we think about when we go to scouting. One is you certainly want a competitive schedule. Um, well, first, there's the financial component. Uh, we have an opportunity to generate revenue for our athletic department. That is something that we do. That's something we do willingly. That's that's part of our job. 
Um, so that's the first piece of playing a Rutgers, a, a Pitt, even a St. Joe's, is it's an opportunity to generate revenue for the department. It allows us and other programs to operate at a level that we want to operate at. So that's one. Two, I think it's good for our players and for our fans to see us try to play against teams at the highest level. Now, you don't want a whole non-conference slate of that because you don't want to be, you know, one in 14 going into league play. But, you know, if we're going to get to the NCAA tournament, we're probably going to play, a, you know, a Rutgers, a good Rutgers, a good pit team. So let's let's see what we do. And, and a lot of our players believe they should be playing there. Well, they get an opportunity to to see what they can do. So I think part of it's recruiting, part of it's, you know, financial, uh, part of it is preparation. And then part of it is strategic to the bigger mission of our university. You know, we recruit the Jersey area for students. You know, so if you've seen in the past, we've played Rutgers, Seton Hall, St. John's. Well, why? Those are areas of the country where Sacred Heart recruits a lot of students. So we want some more visibility. When we talk about being the front porch, well, you know, that's part of our, our thought process too is, you know, we're part of this university. Like we're an extension of, of admissions. Well, what can we do to help? Winning is big, but also creating some exposure, you know, yeah. getting some alumni, you know, helping development, creating some, you know, we had a, uh, we played Seton Hall, I don't know, maybe three years ago. We had an alumni event before the game it was tremendous. It was like a hundred, 200 people there. It's great. It felt like we felt like Notre Dame, you, you know, and, and why? Because it's, it's a location where we have a lot of alums. So, so I think uh, that's our thought process with the money games. Um, and then the other games, you know, we want to play institutions that we compare ourselves to, whether it's a Fairfield or a Holy Cross, um, you know, or a um, University of New Hampshire, you know, uh, you know, some, some of the smaller Catholics, you know, whether it's a, a Siena or someone like we don't play Siena this year. You know, we, we, we try to play some different leagues too. Like, you, you know, we try to see, well, how does our league measure up? If we win the league and we've played a few American East schools, a few Mac schools, a few Patriot League schools, a few Ivy League schools, and we can win some of those games. Well, you know, maybe instead of being a 16, we can be a 15. Yeah. You know, maybe we're out yeah. of the playing, you know, those kind of things. So there's a little strategy there. And and then you, you know, and then there's the other, you know, financial piece of it is, you know, when you have a chance to play Fairfield and Columbia, why, why travel? 500 miles to play housing. You, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, yep. there's a lot of schools in this area. So now we do go on trips. Trips are a part of the experience. So we do give the guys, you know, generally, you know, COVID has kind of set us back a little bit, but prior to the COVID year, COVID and, and beyond, you know, we would have one trip every year, whether it was Arizona or Florida or Vegas. Uh, we'd like to get back to that again next year because I think that's part of the experience of yeah. guys traveling, seeing different parts of the country playing different, you know, different programs. And um, so that that's kind of what it is. It's, it's, it's kind of a, a lot of things, a lot of factors, you know, trying to have a good record. Now the reality is because you're playing three, four by games, you know, you know, sometimes those are built in losses you know, and we've won a few of them, but not many, you know, so you're, you know, usually you're starting at, at the low major level, you know, with like a one and three, oh, and four record, you know, so, um, before the season starts. And, and, you know, now we're playing a non-division one. We get one of those, you know, knock on wood. Hopefully we get one of those back, but you're still one and three to one and four. So that means you got to be four or five games over 500 in non, in the rest of the games yep. to just 500 in league play. So it is a little tricky. I think part of the psychology too, of 
non-conference play at our level is you can't get bent out of shape when you are a game or two under 500 or three games because you could be a really good team and just maybe caught some teams in the wrong gear. And, you know, um, so that's part of it too. So it's, it's scheduling is probably the second most important thing we do as a program outside of recruiting, you know, because obviously you need great players, but like who you play, when you play them home or away, you know, that, are you, that, are you looking mostly, and I'm sure it's subjective each, each game, but are you signing multi-year contracts with local? Oh, yes. North- okay. 100%. And again, part of that is, is, is a, you know, financial component to it. Like why wouldn't we play Fairfield every year? Yeah. I mean, you, you don't even need yeah. a bus for the game for God's sake. <laughs> yes. So from a financial standpoint, it's great from a student center standpoint. I mean, we played Fairfield at Sacred Heart for the first time in history last year. Our place holds, I don't know, I think 3000 people. There's 3,700 people at the game. There's st- we, had to get, we had to bring in uh temporary stands. Wow. And it, it was awesome. It was awesome. Now we lost. So that wasn't good, but like we're playing Fairfield in, in their new arena. It's going to be a sellout. Yeah. Well, that, that's, you know, and probably will be their only sellout of the year, maybe their opening game and then our game. So like it creates a good environment for our players. We want our players to play in front of sellouts. So you, when you play a game like that, or, you know, even like a Holy Cross who, you know, who travels pretty well, or, you know, University of Hartford, I know they've made the move, you know, but that was a good rivalry game for us. Yep. When, you, when you create better environments, that that's, that's part of it. But we do, we definitely sign two and sometimes four year deals. Uh, especially if it's someone that we think is a program that we think is beneficial for us, whether it's geographically, whether it's competitively, whether it's, you know, similar mission of an institution, like, you know, like I think it's, I mean, if you told people that we were being compared to Holy Cross 20 years ago, people laugh at you. <laughs> wow. Well, now people look at Sacred Heart and Holy Cross, like those yeah. are options. Yep. That, I mean, think about that. If you had to ask someone 20 years ago, you're thinking about going to Sacred Heart or Holy Cross, but what? And now it's just like, yeah, Sacred Heart's a great place. You haven't been there? Yeah. So those are things that excite me, excite our administration. And, um, you know, that's part of that's part of our strategy as well. I you think know, it, and it's something I think that's healthy for every team at every level. We had John Crimmins on the last episode of James Madison. We talked about a them playing Virginia and getting home and home with playing Virginia and stacking up against an ACC team. And, and they were able to, to win that game, but then also playing the Radfords and the old dominions and the George Masons that are in separate, all in separate conferences, but everyone in that area, you know, you know, someone that went to that school or you had that experience there. And it's the same way in the Northeast, even, even more tightened. And I think everyone, while some teams might be expected to win more, it's still what the buzz it creates, it, I think, is is really what sets college basketball apart, because I don't think you see that. You don't see it in college football or really anything else. No question. I mean, and, and, and that's part of our job, too, is 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 to promote our promote the game, which promotes our programs. You know, the more people that are watching when we have, you know, presumably you're going to have hopefully you have success, the better the better it is for your program, the better it is for your institution. So if you can create games that attract attention, certainly, you know, you need to do that. And then you need to win them. You know, like, like yeah. winning is, is a major part of it, you know? Um, so I, I, I think that's great. I mean, you look at Philly and the big five, I mean, oh, yeah. those, those, are uh, awesome yeah. games. those are awesome, awesome games. So certainly, uh, certainly I think that, um, you know, we try to do that 
and we try to do our part and uh, hopefully we do our fair share of winning too. Yeah. And the last one we'll wrap up and get, and get you out of your kitchen. I know it's been a, a long wrapping up the media day, finishing with the green light pod, but the one thing that's been coming up recently and it's by no means anything official, but it's um, that one of the rumors being discussed by the transformation committee is just, potential expansion of the NCAA tournament across all sports, not just basketball, but in regards to men's basketball specifically, I mean, A, is how much an impact could that potentially have on NEC schools? And I think as a lot of people say, is it going to water down something that's already good? Or in in my opinion, I think one of the things throw, maybe you get auto bids for regular season champions, but what at at the NEC level and and the teams, how, how do you see, that potentially shifting things um, if if it was to expand, whether it's 90, whether it's just a 70, whatever it looked like. Well, let me start by saying I have no say. <laughs> yes, <laughs> completely put the disclaimer out there, 100%. But I will say my own personal opinion is don't touch the NCAA tournament. Yeah. What are we doing? This yeah. is outside of the Super Bowl. It is the greatest sporting event in the United States of America, the greatest country. Hands down. It's perfection. What, what are we doing? You know, I always use my 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 wife as the litmus test. Like now, obviously, she's a college basketball fan. She's been married to a college basketball coach for 21 years. <laughs> oh, by the way, when we were dating, I was a college basketball coach. So that's all she knows me as. And 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 so for, for better or for worse, she had to, you know, learn more about college basketball. But I would put her as the average sports fan, you know, doesn't really pay much attention, you know, into the Super Bowl. You know, she loves Tom Brady. She's always watching Brady, you know, but outside of a few things, but you know what she always pays attention to? The NCAA tournament. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, college basketball is a great game, but it's a niche sport. It's yeah. during the regular season, it's niche, which is fine. Listen, most sports, are, the NHL is niche, baseball is niche, you know, outside the NFL, you know, and, and, and NBA, when, when, when the right stars are playing, they're niche sports. So the NCAA gets the whole country is captivated by it. And why? Why are they captivated throughout the year? There's plenty of great games. It's the, it's, it's basically like what our, the American dream. It's like, Hey, anybody can, can, can be on the top. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. Anybody can make it. Now, does it happen as much as people think? Probably not, but all it has to do is happen once a year. And people say this, this is what it's all about. This is, (laughs) this is a dream. This is, this is what we all hope. You know, that, you know, that, the, the guy or the, or the, or the lady that's struggling, like, you know, working two jobs and all of a sudden she catches he or she catches their break. Like it really just defines what we all dream about. So why change that? Like it's competitive. You know, some of the lower seeds have had some, you know, uh, excitement and it creates excitement throughout the country for schools like Sacred Heart. You know, we hosted the uh, NEC championship game years back when I was an assistant. It's still to this day in my 18 years, probably, one of the one or two greatest events on campus. All right. It was nationally televised. It was great. Yeah. So it gives schools like us, you know, excitement on our campuses. So I personally, I don't know why we'd ever change it. It is the biggest moneymaker out there. It grows the game. You know, everyone's like, well, all that money that's made, well, all that money you made goes to the members. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it goes to all, it goes to all the other sports that don't generate revenue. It's a, it's a win-win for everybody, you yeah. know? So, I don't know why. I do think if you expand it or if you if you cut out the the you know the low major, mid majors, it loses its it loses its evidence and appeal. Yeah. Um, what makes it great is like, you know, it's not like, you know, 
outside of the final four, like much more people are, are locked in on the first weekend. Yeah. They are on the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I, I just don't know why we would change it. It's such a great event. It gives everybody hope. Um, it, it's, it's, it's awesome on campuses across the country. I, I hope we never change it. Um, you know, I, I think if you want to expand it to maybe 70, but I, I why? You know, yeah. you, you have your first four. I mean, the one the one change I would make is, um, and I don't know if it's, it's going to be the other, is the first four games. I would say make it the four at the last four at-larges. I mean, they'll be thrilled to get a shot at it. The, the alternative is don't be in the NCAA tournament. And, and, and I think, you know, like a, um, I don't know, let's see someone last year, like uh, Northwestern had a bad year, but just say Northwestern against, um, you know, a real good, you know, a Rhode Island team that had a real good regular season, you yeah. know, just sneaks in at large, like, or, or even like a, a Northwestern against Oklahoma in, 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 in a first four game, like have four of those, you know, because yeah. those teams will travel and stuff and, and then, and give the little guy a chance to like, give him their chance at Goliath right off the bat. You yeah. know, that, that would be the one change I would make. Um, it's a good point. You know, because I think from a, a, a interest level, from a travel, like, now they have it in Dayton. The NCAA, they're, they're, you know, these are smart people here. Dayton is is one of the quiet basketball. Yep. Oh yeah, in the country. I mean, you know, University of Dayton. I think they got like twelve, thirteen thousand season ticket holders. Yeah, yep. so, so the community comes out, and so there's a good crowd for those games, no matter who plays. But uh, that would be the only change I would make. Otherwise, I wouldn't change a thing. I think it's a great. It's again outside of the Super Bowl. Is there an event that captures? The imagination of the country more and, and the answer is no so no way. why change it you know and, and and again you don't want to get stagnant and you know sometimes you know you run the risk but like it doesn't seem like it's dying anytime soon no. so, you know and, and you know what's the See, complaint there i don't think there is any complaint to me it's like why don't we invest in the nit tournament or something make that good and maybe if you you win that like you get an automatic bid next year. I don't know something. If you want to get crazy, like fine, but like don't touch no, what's don't perfect. Touch. Like let's don't let's maybe it. make the NIT good. Now the NIT, they are trying because the NCA has taken over the NIT. So what yep. the NIT now is the NIT is actually a pretty cool thing. Now it doesn't get any interest, and in, hopefully they can market it a little bit better. But it's all the regular season champs yep. that don't get automatic yep. bids. I mean, uh, uh, at large bids. So for example, if we win the regular season the NEC regular season and get tripped up in the tournament, we're still going to the NIT, which is a super cool thing. Yeah. Um, and then wh whatever at-large bids are left are basically, they go to the same list of guys that, that just were left out of the NCAA tournament. Yep. And those are the highest seats. So it really is a, a legitimate kind of runner up tournament. Yeah. Years past, it was just about matchups. Like a team could, you know, like a, a team like, you know, UConn, they had a bad year and went 17 to 15. It would never have gotten an at-large to either one. Well, they're going to get 8,000 people, so the NIT invites them. Yeah. They don't do that anymore. They're going with the next best at-larges, which I think Smart. is great. Yeah, it's great. It's it's merit-based. It's it's a, it's a well-run tournament, um, and it's an extension of the NCAA tournament. So now, obviously, it doesn't draw the interest because it's at the same exact time. So, you know, yeah, you make it a little earlier. I, I don't know how you would do that, but uh, – don't touch the NCAA tournament. That's my that's my official suggestion to all the powers that be. Why, you know, and and, and, the, and the power five schools like, it, what is it about money? Well, why are we sharing the money? Like, I mean, yeah. have you wow. ever been? Did you see the Tennessee Alabama game? There's plenty yeah. of money. 
Plenty of money. Those guys got plenty of money. Like they, yeah, they, they don't good. need you know, they don't need a, one more share of NCA tournament money. Like you know, and in, in, in we're splitting know, hairs at that point. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 uh, what, what, what a game that was anyway. Oh, by the way, unbelievable. One of the great college football games I've ever seen. Unbelievable. Um, Anytime you get fifty-two points, that's ridiculous. Oh, and then the way it went backwards. But anyway, so hopefully that never changes. Uh, hopefully, if it does, we're part of it before they change. Exactly. Uh, this is what I grew up with. I mean, watching the NCAA tournament has been, you know, it's been a lifelong passion of mine since since I remember watching UConn play with. Uh, you know, Carl Hobbs and um, Tim Coles. And I, I remember yep. always say, and that's why I'm always so thankful for UConn and, and Jim Calhoun. Cause I, when I was a little kid, I, I just college basketball, I just loved it. I don't know why. And, and, and I just said, boy, if UConn could ever be like Indiana, cause Indiana was great, you know, in the, in the early eighties, early mid eighties. And lo and behold, five, you know, they hired Jim Calhoun and five years later, they're like Indiana. Oh, yep. And it's, and it's like, you know what? We never look back and, as a college basketball junkie, I grown up in little old Connecticut. It was, it was a wonderful thing. And and so, uh, you know, uh, it, it's the NCAA tournament would be a, a lifelong dream of, of mine and of, of so many people. And why mess with it? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Well, we're rooting for you, coach. We appreciate you coming on. Um, good luck this year. Where can everybody find you? Twitter, website, if people want tickets, all that stuff. Yeah. So, you know, you, you definitely go to sacredhypepioneers.com. You know what? Let me, my art. Our, our athletic communications will kill me if I get this wrong. I'm I'm 99 sure it's Sacred Heart uh, SacredHeartPioneers.com. There we go. I am on Twitter. Actually, let me. We have our official Twitter, and then we have my own. Obviously, you can tell I'm, I've been coaching for 27 years because my 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 uh, quickness with technology. I'll give you my Twitter handle and. Uh, my I think name, it's Coach. I think it's Coach Latina, isn't it? No, I went basic. I'm 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 not creative. At Anthony Latina. <laughs> yeah, there we go. There Simple. we go. And then, and then our our Sacred Heart Shoe Basketball website is uh, at shoe underscore men's hoops. Yep. At shoe, and then you know, and then I would say, go to our you know, let me put our Sacred Heart one, our athletic one, which is a great, uh, great, great. We have a lot of great sports. Let me get this one. I don't want to butcher this one. <laughs> it's at I should have been more prepared. It's at shoe shoe big, big red, red, right? Yes. Great, yes. great Twitter um uh, page. And I, I think we're doing a lot of good things. Our football team is in position to win their shoot, is it the third or fourth? I think it's their third straight NEC championship and go to NC wow. tournament. They're they're right there. They got a huge game against Merrimack this week. Love it. Two teams are both undefeated in the league, so a lot of good things. Women's soccer is having a great year. Men's soccer is having a resurgence. Our women's volleyball team is outstanding. Coach Machen is a complete stud. We are, you know, we have been the flagship program in the Northeast Conference for a while now. So there's a lot of great things going on. If you're a sports fan, if you're even not a sports fan, go to some of the, I mean, we had like, I don't even know, nine, 10,000 people at our football game last weekend because of Dang. it was, it felt like a mini version of, Ann Arbor, Michigan. It was seriously, tremendous. you know, awesome. uh, we got a lot of great things going on, a lot of great sports, great coaches. Uh, you know, come to campus, come walk around, come to when there is a game, when there's a soccer game, men's or women's soccer game or volleyball game, come watch them. You'll you'll see a, an entertaining, athletic, committed group, and uh, you won't be disappointed. 
You know, that's what I encourage everyone. I encourage everyone who's within driving distance, come by Sacred Heart, come watch a game, come do a tour of the campus. You know, you will not be disappointed. If you have kids that are in high school or close to college, you know, are thinking about it, you will not be disappointed if you come by. Love it. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Coach. Appreciate you coming on. Good luck this year. We'll talk with you soon. My pleasure. Lately, I've been feeling like this is what I've been working towards. If you ain't trying to be the boss and tell me what you're working for. Certain doors are closed, but now they opening up. Celebrating with some shots, maybe poke on a cup. Pull, slush, rust, souls up next. And I got this. Crazy like Britney and the love so toxic. Got a wall up, I'm trying to infiltrate a conscious. Taking 12 shots like where the cops is. Come on.